Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. So we are in week three of this series called Alter Ego. And as we've said each week, we do realize we uh, use the wrong spelling of altar uh, because throughout history, the people of God have um, either knelt down at the altar or laid something significant down as a sacrifice um, or an act of worship uh, toward God. And in the traditional sense, as many of you know, our alter ego is what we think about ourselves. There's the self we portray to others, and then there's our alter ego. It's what we believe our true selves to be. And unfortunately, uh, so many of us think a bit too highly of ourselves, to put it mildly. Uh, we have an inflated ego. Uh, and some of us, we think too little of ourselves. We have just a poor or inaccurate view of who we are. And so our goal throughout this entire series is to take our egos, what we think about who we are, and to sacrifice whatever that is uh, so that we can become who God says we are. And so if you missed the last two weeks, let me tell you what we've covered. Uh, so far, we've laid two things down. The first one, uh, the first week, we sacrificed our feelings of inadequacy. And goodness, do so many of us deal with feelings of inadequacy of, I'm not good enough. I know I deal with that. Week two, last week, we laid down our need for control, and this one stung for some of you. Last week, you laid down your need for control, but then Monday, you picked it back up. Why? <laughs> because you love to be in control. <laughs> so today, we're going to lay down our longing of, uh, for approval. And if you missed any of those other two, please go back on our website and get caught up. This is a great series for whoever, for anybody, no matter where you're at in life. And so today, again, we're laying down our longing for approval. And this one, honestly, it stings for me. It took me probably over the last year uh, to kind of figure out that I deal with this. But in some ways, I think we all love to be loved. Isn't that true? So today, we're going to lay down our longing for approval. Is that okay with you? Do you like my idea? Do you approve of it? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? No, we're going to lay down our longing for approval this morning. And the reality is, again, I'm going to be pretty honest with you. As I looked back over this past year, for as long as I can remember, I've longed for the approval of others. As a, as a kid playing sports, I, I remember getting up to bat and thinking, oh, my dad's here. I hope I get on base. I want him to be proud of me. And he loved me anyways. He loved me anyways. That was just my kind of warped view of, of, of that longing for approval. Or football. I played about 10 years of football. In my junior year of high school, I said my body's had enough. I had so many injuries. And I, 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 so I stopped after my junior year, but I was terrified to tell my dad about it because I thought it would crush him. I longed for his approval. And so maybe, just maybe, there might be somebody here uh, at least one that can relate to this, that can relate to this longing for what other people think. And so if that's you, uh, or maybe you're here and you're like, ah, I don't, I don't care what other people think. Just wait. Uh, 
I have a list of five specific signs that you may be living for the approval of others. So as we go through these, just check them off if that's you. The first one is this. You occasionally or often worry about what other people think. You worry about what other people, uh, their opinion is of you. For example, if you've ever had to give a public speech and you got really nervous, why'd you get really nervous? Because you care what other people think, right? Because you're worried about their opinions. Or if you ever post something on social media and then 12 seconds later, you're like, oh, did anybody like that? Did, did I get a retweet? Oh, praise glory to God in heaven on high. I got a retweet, right? None of you do that here, obviously, no. We care what people think. Occasionally, uh, when we're getting ready for a, an event, uh, we do in our house what many people do. We walk into our closets and we go, I have nothing to wear. And then we try on one or two or four outfits. Does this look good? And does this look good? And does this look good? Sometimes my wife and I will play this game. It happens fairly often where she puts an outfit on and asks me what I think. And I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I tell her it's cute and perfect in every way. And no matter how eloquently I put that or, or, or casually I put that, what happens? What does she do? She puts on something else. Seven out of ten times, she just disregards what I say. Why? Because she cares. These thoughts are going through her mind. Well, what are, what are they going to think? Is this good enough? If I wear this, what are other people going to say? What are they going to think about me? Sometimes, and I did ask my wife before sharing that, that story. I'm not an idiot. Sometimes, uh, it's something really small or insignificant. Some, somebody will come up to you and say, are, are you feeling all right? And immediately we say, well, why? Do I look bad? Do I look bad? Is something wrong? Why would you say that? See, we care what other people think. How many of you would say sometimes you, you care a little bit too much about what other people think? Yeah, that's good. Now you can turn to the other people that didn't raise their hand and say, you just care too much about what other people think to raise your hand to that question, right? <laughs> now the second thing is this, you are often overly sensitive. You're often overly sensitive. And we, we can be overly sensitive as a culture, but I, I know I can be this way. A hundred people could say, hey, Jason, you did such a good job. Hey, I loved your message. But one person could say something negative, and I zoom in on that. And I say, well, I guess I'm a failure. I guess nobody really got anything out of that message. Oh, I guess I didn't really make a difference at all. A hundred people could say something positive. One person says something negative or critical, and I can zoom in on that like nothing else. Or maybe, maybe you get a new outfit. And let's be honest, you know you look good in this outfit. The person who sold it to you told you you look good in this outfit. And so you're just waiting you're just waiting to wear this outfit and go out and just let the compliments pour in. Just let them pour in. And so you wear it and nothing happens. And you're like, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with me? What, does this look bad? And you start finding that you're just a little bit overly sensitive. What's wrong? Did, or, let's say you text somebody or you message somebody or you call a friend and they don't call you back in a, you know, a timely manner. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Is there some sort of misunderstanding here? Do I need to call them again? Are we not BFFs anymore? And again, you're, you're just a little bit too sensitive. So if that's you this morning, don't, don't get too sensitive. 
Just check the little box. We'll move on. A third indicator that you're perhaps just a little bit living for the approval of others is you compromise your values. You compromise your values. There's something you believe in deeply, but you compromise your values. You compromise that for the approval of others. So young ladies, you you value purity. But the guy you're seeing just says, well, I love you. I love you. I love you. And you compromise your values. Or guys, you're hanging out with other guys and there's just that kind of coarse joking and things going on that just aren't really all that glorifying to God. And but you just compromise your values a little bit to gain the approval of somebody else. Or, or maybe you value being debt-free. You value being a good manager of wisely using what God's given you, but you end up buying things you don't need with money you don't have for people you don't even like. Why? Why do we do that? You compromise your values because you want people to like you based on what you have or what you look like because you care what other people think. If that's true, just, just check the little box. Yes, I occasionally compromise my values. Another indicator that you're longing for the approval of others is that you hesitate to share your faith. You hesitate to share your faith. You really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he transforms lives, he forgives sins, he makes us new. And you've got a friend that doesn't know that, and he might be lost and hurting in his or her sin, and and you want to share the goodness of God with this friend of yours, but you don't. You don't want to be the freako, you know, religious person. And so you hesitate, you don't share your faith. In essence, if you're honest, you care more about what other people think about you than you do their freedom in Christ. And so you, you hesitate, you don't share your faith. You're a little more timid because you're longing for the approval of others. And the last one, I think this one will speak to a lot of you. If you have a hard time saying no, if you have a hard time saying no to people, someone asks you, hey, can you do this? And, and immediately, inwardly, you're screaming, no, no, I do not want to do that. Absolutely not. That sounds terrible. I don't have time. My life is way too busy to do that. And then outwardly, you're, oh, sure. Absolutely. When can I start? When can I start? And you have this horrible sense of guilt in you because inwardly or outwardly you're agreeable, but inwardly you have that kind of smoldering resentment as you're doing it. You have an incredibly hard time saying no to people because you want to please them. You want to please people. And one of my earliest memories as a young guy getting into ministry uh, was at the age of about 22 or 23, I started working at a church as a children's director. And I, I remember getting to work the very first day and my boss immediately puts me on grunt work. And it's not even children's ministry grunt work. It's climb this really rickety tall ladder and drill holes through all the rafters in the sanctuary so we can run a wire from the front to the back. And a thing about me, I don't really like tall, rickety ladders uh, all that much. And so inwardly, I'm screaming, no, no, I don't want to do that. But outwardly, I say, oh, of course, of course I can do that. Not because I wanted to or even because I I thought it was my job to do. But I wanted them to look at me and say, wow, look how good of a worker he is. He must really love the Lord, right? Now after all these years of kind of personal growth and uh, growth with Christ and my relationship with him, I don't deal with that anymore, except every dang day of my life. 
every single one. Why? Why do we do this? The reason is our egos are incredibly insecure. And your ego is incredibly insecure. It's crying out, like me, like me, like me, affirm me, affirm me, affirm me. Make me feel good about myself. That's what I want. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss one of the most powerful truths and one of the biggest dangers about people-pleasing. And that's this. And it's not in your notes, but you can jot this down if you want. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about me is the quickest way to forget what God says about me. Becoming obsessed with what, with what other people think about me is the fastest, quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. In fact, Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man, what, what will he do to me? What will she do to me? What, what will they think? What's their opinion of me? The fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap. Now, the Hebrew word here uh, for snare is the word mokesh. And it means it's a trap. It's, it's a snare. It also means, very literally, it was, a, it was a hook that people would put into the nostril of an animal to lead them around. It was the snare. It was the mokesh. And here's what some of you look like. And I realize this is disgusting. But this is what some of you look like. Hey, I just got a new iPhone 11 Plus. Am I cool now? Hey, I got a haircut. I didn't have bangs yesterday. I have bangs today. Am I cool? Do I look? Do you like me? Do you like me? I got a new car. Did you know I got a new car? And do you like that? Is it, is it cool? Okay. I get it. Nobody's going to shake my hand after the service today. But that's what some of you look like. Fear of man proves to be a snare. It's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So what's the real problem? See, people-pleasing, it's idolatry. It's putting the approval of people ahead of our opinion, or ahead of the opinion of God. It's making people way too big in our lives, and it's making God way too small. In fact, I would say this to some of you. It could be the, one of the greatest limiting factors in your life right now. If you're a parent and your big goal is, I want my kids to like me, they may like you today, but we know this. They're not going to respect you tomorrow. Because your number one job isn't to be their buddies. It's to be a guiding force in their life that, that leads them toward Christ. If you want to be a leader in business, you're going to have to make some really difficult calls that not everybody is going to understand, and they're not going to like you because of it. But you can't be consumed with what other people think about you. You have to do what's right. Becoming obsessed with what other people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. So, how do we overcome this, this whole disease to please? I want to give you two thoughts, fairly simple thoughts. But the first thing is this. How do we overcome the disease to please? we got to focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. It's really that simple. We want to live for uh, an, an audience of one, not, not for the crowd, as, as we've heard. We've got to focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. Paul says it this way in Galatians 1. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. 
He said, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And don't miss that. That's so important. If pleasing people is my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You can't simultaneously live for the applause of the crowd and live for an audience of one. And so we've got to start focusing on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. And as I, again, look back uh, in preparation for this message even, one of the most significant moments of my life where I made a decision like this was when I was right out of college. Uh, and if you don't know this about me, I went to college to be a teacher. I have a teaching degree. And so here I was interviewing for a position in the school district that I was currently working in as a teacher's aide. And I, I think I was doing pretty good. I already had some rapport with the, the administrative staff. I, I got along well with the other teachers. I knew a lot of the students. Uh, I, I, I was doing pretty good. But they knew I was working part-time in youth ministry at a church. And so as part of the conversation, they asked this question. They asked, well, what would happen if you got this job today? In six months or a year down the line, the church offered you a full-time position. And my mind immediately goes to answers that would kind of clear that tension that was there. But the truth was, I didn't know. I didn't know what I would do. I just spent thousands of dollars paying for this degree in college, and, but at the same time, I loved what I was doing at the church. I loved what God was doing through me at the church. I could lie and gain the approval of man, or I could, I could tell the truth. So you're going to ask, well, what did you say? What did what, what, you say? What, what happened? Did you get the job? Did you not get the Well, I'm here, so there's that. But, but the answer is I was honest with them. I was honest with them. But it doesn't matter what they thought. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what, what happened there. What matters most was that day I made a decision that helped move my life in the right direction. And that's, I decided to focus on what God thinks and not on what man thinks and what people think. Here's something kind of revolutionary to me. And it might be uh, revolutionary to some of you uh, here. Did you realize that you cannot please everybody? Do you realize that? That's, actually, that's a thing. You cannot please everybody. You could work your little behinds off trying to please people, but it doesn't really work out. Like, this group of people, you can put on a certain outfit, and this group of people will love it, and this, people, this group of people can't stand it. Or you'll, you'll listen to a certain music that this group likes, and this group can't stand. Or, or you'll go to parties that this group over here really likes to go to, and this group can't stand. Or you'll buy a car that this group likes, and that group can't stand. Or we even see this in our morals. Like, you'll live your life in a certain way that this group likes, but that group cannot stand. And we even see this in the church where you'll worship a certain way, and this group will say, oh, that's awesome, you got it right. And this group will say, absolutely not, we can't stand that, you got it wrong. Isn't that true? What I realized is I can't please everybody, but I can please God. Isn't that good? I can't please everybody, but I can please God. And I'm not, I'm not talking about doing good things so God forgives your sin. There's, the Bible says there's no amount of good things we can do to, to get and to earn God's forgiveness. But for those who believe in him, God delights in us. He delights in our relationship with him and our dependency on him. And Paul says, obviously, 
I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. If I was trying to be a people pleaser, I couldn't be Christ's servant. I'm going to focus on living for an audience of one instead of for this crowd because becoming obsessed with what other people think about me is the fastest, quickest way to forget what God thinks about me and what God says about me. And I can't please all of these people, but I can please my God. I can please him. And so I'm going to focus on what God thinks. So to overcome this disease to please, first we focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. And number two, we're, gonna, we're going to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. This is a life-transforming truth to internalize this one. We're going to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. And so if, if you've believed in Jesus this morning, God approves of you through his son. He already approves of you. You live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 2. He said, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're approved by God. He trusts you with the gospel message. That mankind were sinners. Jesus was sinless and he came to the earth to seek and save the lost. He came and died for us on a cross and was raised again on the third day. And anyone who believes in him will be saved. No matter what they've done in their past, no matter what, what their life looks like, they can be saved. They can have new life in Christ. He trusts you with that message. And he goes on to say, we're not trying to please people, but, but God who tests our heart. And so the bottom line here is when we understand this truth, for those of you that are, are, are following Jesus, that believe in Jesus, because of what Jesus did, because of what Christ did for you, you are the righteousness of God. When, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness anymore. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And so because of what Christ did, my worth is not based on what other people think about me. My worth is based on what God says about me. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. Your worth is not based on what other people think about you. Your worth is based on what God says about you. And when we internalize that, we don't have to dance for the approval of others anymore. But we can live from the approval of God. And so the big question that is rattling in, in some of your minds right now is, well, that's all well and good, but I don't, I don't feel that way right now. So what does God say about me? What does God say about who I am? And so we're going to run through uh, several of them. You have them in your outline. But here we go. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. You're a new creation. Ephesians 1.7, you are forgiven and your sins are washed away. No matter what you've done, no matter how dirty you feel, no matter how often your spiritual enemy says you are used goods and you'll never make a difference, you can't. As often as he says that, God says, because of my son, you can. Your sins are washed away. They're forgiven. Romans 8.37, you are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. Ephesians 2.10, God says, you are my masterpiece. I love that. You are my masterpiece. You are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which I prepared in advance for you to do. You have everything you need to do everything God's called you to do. You are his masterpiece, he says. 
Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. In this dark kind of sin-filled world, if you have Christ dwelling inside you, you are the light. That's who you are. That's who God says you are. You are the light to a dark sin-filled world. Romans 8.11, you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead within you. It's the very same spirit God used to raise Jesus from the dead. If you believe in Jesus this morning, you have power inside of you. Romans 8.17, you are a joint heir with Christ. You inherit what Christ inherits. You inherit the kingdom of God. You are, you're special, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did for you. You're joined with Christ, and he did it for you. I love 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, you are Christ's ambassador. And what's an ambassador? It's the, the highest ranking diplomat sent from one country to another. So guess what? You are the highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven to declare God's glory here on earth. And you're, you're thinking, well, I just work at a bank. Well, guess what? You're an undercover agent working at a bank for God's glory as God's diplomat. And you're thinking, well, I, I'm just a junior in high school. No, you are an undercover agent in that junior and high school chemistry class. You're an ambassador for Christ. Or you're thinking, I'm, reti I'm retired. Well, guess what? There is no retirement from being an uh, ambassador for Christ. There is no retirement from that. And so you are an undercover agent posing as a retiree this morning. You are Christ's ambassador. That's who he says you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. In Romans 1.7, you are greatly loved by God. Hey, it, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God says. And God says you're his. God says you're equipped. God says you're an overcomer. And he says you're loved. Do you feel loved this morning by God? He loves you. And when you realize this, you're not living for the approval of others anymore. You're living from the approval of God. And that changes things. That changes things. I love this. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't be like that snare that's leading you around. Don't be like that. Oh, I just want to be like everybody else. It says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love that verse, but a, a lot of people forget about Romans 12, 1. Romans 12.1 makes Romans 12.2 possible. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You're going to lay your ego down at the altar of God. You lay your life down, like Paul said when he said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In view of God's mercy, I offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is my spiritual act of worship. In other words, ultimately, it's not about me. It's not about you. It doesn't matter what all these other people think about me. It matters what God says about me. And the quickest way to forget what, what God says about me is to become obsessed with what all these other people think about me. So therefore, I'm going to lay down what you say about me. I'm going to lay down even what I think about me so I can become what God says about me. Because ultimately, I can't please everybody, and neither can you. But the good news is by faith through Jesus Christ and through the power of Christ, I can please God. And so can you. So let's start doing that today. Let's pray. God, you are so good.
you are so good. You don't leave us to our own thoughts and our own devices. God, you, you give us your word. You're, you're an encouragement to us. God, help us this week to, to, to recognize when we're just seeking the, and longing for the approval of others and putting their thoughts above what you say about us. God, give us strength in that moment just to stop, just to pause and seek you. And, be remem- and remember what you say about us, that we are loved, that we're equipped, that we have everything we need in your son. We have power in us. God, it's not about us. It is all about you. And God, as we interact with other people this week as well, you've entrusted us with your gospel, with the good news that you died on the cross and you provided a way when we believe in you, to have a relationship with you, to be saved from our sinfulness. God, help us not to be timid. Help us to, help us to see you in other people this week. God, we love you. Pray this in your name. Amen.